Our scripture reading today will come from the book of Judges, Judges chapter 5. And you see in your bulletins there is an insert, and the insert contains a sermon outline, and then on the back, three pages of the Song of Deborah and Barak. And we are in the third sermon on this song, the last one, and uh, I do believe it would be helpful if we read the whole song for our scripture reading. So the focus of our sermon today will be the last verses, verses 23 to 31, but by way of context, we're going to read uh, the entire song for the scripture reading, and we'll be referring to it in the sermon as well. So let's pay careful attention to the public reading of God's holy and infallible and inerrant word from Judges chapter 5, the verses 1 through 31. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day, that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes, to the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the waters dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned and travelers kept to the byways. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. When new gods were chosen, then war was in the gates. Was shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 in Israel? My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless the Lord. Tell of it, you who ride on white donkeys, you who sit on rich carpets, and you who walk by the way, to the sound of musicians at the watering places. There they repeat the righteous triumphs of the Lord, the righteous triumphs of His villagers in Israel. Then down to the gates marched the people of the Lord. Awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, break out in a song. Arise, Barak, lead away your captives, O son of Abinoam. Then down marched the remnant of the noble. The people of the Lord marched down for me against the mighty. From Ephraim, their root, they marched down into the valley, following you, Benjamin, with your kinsmen. From Machir marched down the commanders, and from Zebulun, those who bear the lieutenant's staff. The princes of Ishkar came with Deborah, and Ishkar, faithful to Barak, into the valley they rushed at his heels. Among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Why did you sit still among the sheepfolds? To hear the whistling for the flocks? Among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan, and Dan, why did he stay with the ships? Asher sat still at the coast of the sea, staying by his landings. Zebulun is a people who risked their lives to the death, and Naphtali too, on the heights of the field. The kings came, they fought, they fought the kings of Canaan at Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They got no spoils of silver. From heaven, the stars fought. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. The torrent Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon, march on, my soul, with might. 
Then loud beat the horse hooves with the galloping, galloping of his steeds. Curse me, Rahaz, says the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants thoroughly, because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, of ten-dwelling women most blessed. He asked for water and she gave him milk. She brought him curds in a noble's bowl. She sent her hand to the tent peg and her right hand to the workman's mallet. She struck Sisera. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. Between her feet he sank. He fell. He lay still. Between her feet, he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell, dead. Out of the window she peered. The mother of Sisera wailed through the lattice. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the hoofbeats of his chariots? Her wisest princesses answer, Indeed, she answers herself. Have they not found and divided the spoil? A womb or two for every man? Spoil of dyed materials for Sisera? Spoil of dyed materials embroidered? Two pieces of dyed work embroidered for the neck as spoil? So may all your enemies perish, O Lord. Let your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. And the land had rest for 40 years. That's the reading of God's word today from the book of Judges, chapter 5. Well, congregation of our Lord Jesus, as we begin this third and concluding sermon on the victory song of Deborah and Barak this morning, very important that you keep in mind the twofold purpose of this song, a twofold purpose that is weaved throughout the song. The first purpose is to give praise to God for saving His people. The song is written and sung in response to the Lord who vertically intruded down from heaven to save His people from their enemies, the Canaanites. The second purpose of the song is to warn the kings of the earth and the people of the earth about the Lord and His future coming judgment. These two themes are weaved throughout the song. And as we come to the end of the song, it all comes together. Listen again to the words of verse 3. Hear, O king. Give ear, O princes. There's a warning, you see, in this song to the kings of the earth. They need to listen to this song. To the Lord I will sing, verse 3 goes on. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. And then there's the praise, verse 4. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. The Lord is given praise. Because he remembered his covenant that he made with his Old Testament people at Mount Sinai before they entered the promised land. And when the people cried out to him because they were oppressed by Jabin and Sisera and his 900 iron chariots, they called out to the Lord. And when they called out to the Lord in the song, Deborah and Barak are saying, the Lord responded from Sinai. 
He remembered His covenant. The Lord marched forth and He took the same route through Seir, through Edom, all the way to the promised land that the people took many years ago before they entered the promised land. The Lord God heard the cry of His people and He answered their cry for deliverance. And it was a cosmic event. The earth trembled, the mountains quaked before the Lord. The heavens, it says, dropped clouds, or dropped water. Water came from the clouds. And what they are singing about here, Deborah and Barak are describing what took place in Judges 4. In Judges 4, we read about how the Israelites worshipped other gods. And so God sold them into the hands of the Canaanite king Jabin, who with his 900 iron chariots, cruelly oppressed the people of God for 900 years. In verses 6 and 7, it describes how desperate it had become. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned. Travelers kept to the byways. Villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. And what did Deborah arise to do? In Judges 4, we read that she was a prophetess. God spoke through her to Barak. And Barak summoned the army. And 10,000 Israelites responded to the summons and went up Mount Tabor. And when the Canaanites heard about the Israelite army, 10,000 of them on Mount Tabor, they assembled down below the mountain in the Kidron River Valley. Canaanite commander Sisera and his 900 iron chariots and other kings. This is described in verses 19 through 21 of the song. The kings came. They fought. They fought the kings of Canaan at Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. But they got no spoils of silver. The kings thought 900 iron chariots against no iron chariots was going to be an easy victory against the Lord's people. They would get the spoils, the silver. But there was no spoil. Why? Deborah and Barak go on to tell us about the deliverance of the Lord in verses 20 to 22. From heaven the stars fought. From their courses they fought against Sisera. The torrent Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon, march on my soul with might. Then the Lord, then the loud beat the horse hooves with the galloping, galloping of his steed. The Lord God interceded down from heaven through the earth. He sent rain. The Kishon River Valley went from a trickle of a river to a torrent. The wheels of the iron chariots sunk in the mud, and the water swept them away. And the Israelites rushed in with their 10,000 people and finished the job. In verse 22, again, the loud beat, the horse's hooves, with the galloping, galloping of his steeds, likely some of them got stuck. Most of them, perhaps some of them, broke free and galloped away. And so why the call to give praise to God? Why the call to the kings of the earth and the peoples of the earth to give ear? Because this battle... This Old Testament battle foreshadows the Lord's 
end time judgment to come. This Old Testament battle with a vertical intrusion from heaven of the Lord to save his people and to judge his enemies, a foreshadowing, an Old Testament picture of a greater day and battle that is still to come. It was not the final judgment of God's enemies, but it foreshadows a future judgment that will someday come to this world. And a salvation for God's people that's described throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament and finally in the book of Revelation. One such place in the book of Revelation chapter 20 where we read of that final judgment of the world to come is found in Revelation chapter 20, the verses 7 through 10. I put that at the very end of your scripture reading on your outlines today. Verse 7 of Revelation 20 reads, And when the thousand years are ended, that means when we reach the end times, the verse goes on, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. You see, at the end of the world, the Bible tells us, Satan will be released more than he is now. And he will go out and deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth. That means the four directions of the earth. From north, south, east, and west, they will gather for battle, a battle that is described in the book of Ezekiel as Gog and Magog, and quoted here in the book of Revelation. They will march up and surround the saints, and the kings and the peoples of the earth will be deceived in thinking they have an easy victory. They have every advantage. They're going to get the spoils, and on that future day, God won't send water to judge the enemy kings like he did in the book of Judges. But he will send fire, it tells us, down from heaven to consume and to judge them. And that's the warning the Lord God is sending out to the kings and to the peoples of the world in the song of Deborah and Barak. Again, verse 2 of the song, Hear, O kings, give ear to the Lord. Listen to what took place during the time of the Judges. Listen to what the Lord did when he came to save his people. Verses 10 and 11. Tell of it, you who ride on white donkeys, you who sit on rich carpets, and you who walk by the way to the sound of the musicians at the watering places. There they repeat the righteous triumphs of the Lord. And the next line, the righteous triumphs of his villagers in Israel. The Lord's triumph is the triumph of his people. And why are they to tell of it? Because, as we said at the beginning of the sermon, that is what the victory song of Deborah and Barak is all about. It's a song of praise to God for his Old Testament deliverance of his people over the Canaanites. The king Sisera and his 900 iron chariots, God delivered his people from his enemies during the time of the judges, and they sing praise for God's deliverance. But what happened during the time of judges is also a warning for the future kings and peoples of all the earth. A warning that is later confirmed by Jesus, by the apostles, Peter and Paul, in the New Testament and in the book of Revelation. That someday, at the end of the world, just when the enemies of God will think they have a sure victory, 
over God's people, God will intrude into history again. The Lord will come down from heaven and save and deliver his people and judge all his enemies, even the devil with fire. This time with eternal fire. Revelation 20, verse 10, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And that is what is being sounded out to the kings and the peoples of the earth. God's deliverance, His eternal deliverance of His people is coming. God's judgment, His eternal judgment for His enemies is coming. And then, in the conclusion of the song, God inspires Deborah and Barak to sing about three responses to this Old Testament battle which foreshadows the end time battle. Now first of all, after the battle, who appears? In verse 23, we read about the angel of the Lord. Now remember in the book of Joshua, and later in the book of Judges so far, during this conquest and settling period in the time of Israel, when the angel of the Lord has appeared, as he appeared to Joshua in Joshua 5, and as he spoke to the people in the Judges, book of Judges chapter 2, we pointed out that this angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnation Lord Jesus Christ. We know the Lord Jesus Christ came down to earth during the gospel era, but here in the Old Testament, it's a pre-incarnation appearance, and in this passage, a speaking and like the battle that anticipates the end time battle in Judges chapter 5, we now have, following that battle, an appearance of the Lord, foreshadowing His appearance on that day. His appearance here anticipates His triumph that will someday come with His people. A triumph over sin and darkness and the oppression of the enemies of his people. His words that he speaks in verse 23 anticipates a judgment curse that he will someday pronounce on that day as well. Who does he pronounce it on in this song? There's a city in Israel, Meraz, that was near the battle scene. A city that, in verse 23, is cursed. Curse, Miraz, says the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants thoroughly, because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. As we go into the archaeological studies of the area, they can't find exactly where this city was located. But most commentators, most everybody believes it was a city that was one of the closest ones to the battle scene. Why did this city not help? Why did this city do something that is so worthy that the angel of the Lord appears and curses them thoroughly? Because they did not come to the help of the Lord. You see, though they were the people of the Lord, though they were the most affected by the oppression of the Canaanites, when the call came, when the summon by the word of the Lord came, 
to join in with the fight, they didn't budge. They didn't join the other tribes of Israel, the tribes of God's people that joined in the battle. And it wasn't for them like the other tribes described in the song, in the song from afar. They lived right nearby. And the angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, calls him out on that. Why didn't they join in the battle? Most people believe it wasn't because they were thinking about it, like the tribe of Reuben, described earlier in the song. Or most people don't think it was because they were too busy with their earthly, worldly pursuits, like the tribe of Gad and Dan and Asher described earlier in the song. They received a curse. A curse for not coming to the help of the Lord against the mighty shows they had another reason. Most likely, they had made peace with the Canaanites. They didn't want to go. They so much identified with the Canaanites in their lifestyle, worshiping other gods, they decided to join in. I'm sorry, they decided not to join in. They joined in with the Canaanites is what they did. And they did not want to participate with the Lord's help from heaven. You know, people like that today, they know of God's salvation that we see now fulfilled. The Mount Sinai now has been fulfilled with the Lord Jesus Christ and His death and resurrection on the cross. One sacrifice for all. Salvation for God's people through His death and resurrection. And yet when they hear the call to join in with God's people and participate, with the help of the Lord from heaven against sin and evil that oppresses God's people, they don't join in. They've made peace with the Canaanites of this world. And so verse 23 tells us that on that day of the final battle, still to come, the Lord will call a curse on them for they knew the truth. But they did not join in with the help from heaven. And then there's the response towards Jael. Now, as we look at Jael's response described in the song, it helps us see the contrast with the city of Minoz, who did not help. Verse 24, most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, of tent-dwelling women most blessed. Do you see the chiastic structure at the beginning and the end of verse 24, how it repeats in a reverse order. The first part of verse 24, the words, most blessed of women, and then the last line, the last part of that last line, it's reversed. Women most blessed. A double blessing for her. The only other double blessing in the song is given to the Lord. At the end of verse 1, bless the Lord. At the end of verse 9, bless the Lord. Jael receives a double blessing. And then sandwiched in the middle, look how she is described. She is described as the wife of Heber, the Kenite. And what do we know about him so far? In chapter 4, we were told in verse 11, now Heber the Kenite had separated from the Kenites, the descendants of Habab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak of Zanaim, which is near Kadesh. That's why she's described as a tent-dwelling woman. She was a Kenite, that means she was from the descendants of Moses' father-in-law, who were friendly to the Israelites. 
The Kenites were tent dwellers, which means they had no earthly homeland or no place that they called their home, their land. Some of them followed the Israelites into the promised land. And then in chapter 4, verse 7, we read, But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber the Kenite. Her husband, according to chapter 4, verse 17, made peace with the Canaanites. He made peace with, with Jabin. He made peace with the one who was oppressing the Israelites with his 900 iron chariots. Her husband has made peace. But Jael is not at peace. Jael the Kenite, a Gentile believer in the God of Israel and his salvation. She's not at peace with the Canaanites. Even though she is a Gentile, what does she do? She participates in the salvation victory of God's people over God's and their enemies. And she's doubly blessed. Remember the contrast? The one who was cursed? The city? Menos, who did not come to the help of the Lord? That's not how Jael responds. A city... Menos, who likely made peace with the Canaanites so they didn't join in. Jael's husband has made peace with the Canaanites. But she joins in. And she is doubly blessed. Verse 25, he asked for water and she gave him milk. She brought him curds in a noble's bowl. She makes it seem as if she's treating him well. He asked her for water. She gave him milk and brought the milk to him in a noble's bowl. A noble's bowl, a bowl fit for a general. And he falls asleep. Verse 26, she sent her hand to the tent pig and her right hand to the workman's mallet. She doesn't have a sword or even a dagger to take on the commander of 900 iron chariots. She's got milk. She's got ordinary tools, a tent peg, and a workman's mallet. She struck Sisera. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. Do you see how this Gentile participates in God's redemptive historical salvation? In Genesis 3, verse 15, God had promised that someday the offspring of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And when will that happen? The New Testament tells us that God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, would someday come to earth. That He came to earth, was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a woman. That His heel would be bruised on the cross, but on the day of the Lord when He returns, the serpent's head will be crushed never to harm his people again. And here in the book of Judges, after the foreshadowing of an end-time battle, we have a woman crushing the head of the commander of the enemy army that cruelly oppressed God's people. The crushing of the serpent's head by a woman pictured and foreshadowed 
what the Lord Jesus Christ will someday do when he returns. And look how the poetry of the song so graphically describes the downward destruction that came. Verse 27, between her feet, he sank, he fell, he lay still. Three words repeated. Between her feet, he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell. Dead. And Jael is doubly blessed because she is a participant in it. By faith, this Gentile came to the help of the Lord. And the song, it could have just ended right there. But the song doesn't end there. Because remember, this song, this entire song, has a twofold purpose. The first purpose is to give praise to the Lord for the deliverance of His people. And the second purpose is to warn the kings and the peoples of the earth about the Lord's coming judgment and they should turn from their sins. And so there's another woman at the end of the song. She's a mother. Remember how Deborah was described earlier in the song as a mother of Israel? This is a mother of the Canaanites. A mother of Israel is the mother of one of God's people, or of God's people. This is a mother of the enemies of God's people. She is Sisera's mother. Verse 28, out of the window she peered. The mother of Sisera wailed through the lattice. Do you see the contrast between Jael? In verse 24, we're told that Jael is a tent dweller. Sisera's mother lives in a house that has a window. She's wailing through the lattice of the window. The window and the lattice tells us she has a nice house as a Canaanite mother, as the mother of the general of the Canaanite army. But what is she wailing? It tells us. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the hoofbeats of chariots? She doesn't hear them because, verse 22 tells us, the horses and chariots were either washed away or stuck in the mud. Her son Sisera is not coming home. His head was crushed by Jael in her tent. Verse 29, her wisest princesses answer. Indeed, she answers herself. This is their answer as to why Sisera and the iron chariots haven't returned. Verse 30, have they not found and divided the spoil? Oh, they're busy with the spoil. A womb or two for every man. Spoil of dyed materials for Sisera. Spoil of dyed materials embroidered. Two pieces of dyed work embroidered for the neck as spoil. Do you see how confident and arrogant these Canaanites were because of what seemed to be in their earthly strength an easy victory? And easy spoils. Sisera's mom and the princesses are so confident in victory, they think the reason they're late is because they're busy with the spoils. They must be raping two Israelite women per man. 
a womb or two for every man. They must be busy gathering the dyed materials, the embroidered materials, the fancy clothing that they'll bring home to us and that we can wear. And some people say, how could these women think that? But do you see what they want to participate in? In contrast to Jael's response, which was to participate in the Lord's victory, those who do not love the Lord, they participate, the Canaanite women do, in oppression, tyranny, and death against the Lord's people. And that's the contrast by which the singers of this song, Deborah and Barak, want to leave the listeners and the readers with. There are those who should go and know better, but they've become Canaanites and don't participate. There are those who, when they hear the summons, when they hear of the Lord's victory, by faith become participators as servants of the Lord in that victory. And there are those who respond to the Lord and the deliverance of His people with arrogance and with nothing more than continued oppression, tyranny, and death. And so the song concludes with a one-verse summary. Verse 31, So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun, as he rises in might. Some people say, well, how can Deborah and Barak end a song like that? Jesus tells us in the New Testament to pray for our enemies, and their song ends, so may all your enemies perish, O Lord. But the Lord also teaches us in the Lord's Prayer to pray, thy kingdom come. And when we pray, thy kingdom come, the meaning of that phrase is that the Lord will return to earth and that his enemies will be judged by him. And when the Lord's kingdom comes on that day, this Old Testament battle foreshadows, God's enemies will perish. The verse is speaking about God's judgment, about a future day when God will come and judge the world. And it concludes, so may all your enemies perish, O Lord. You see in the description of Sisera's mother and the women of the Canaanites their hatred for the Lord's people and why the Lord will bring His judgment on those who reject Him and oppress His people. But the concluding verse has another line. But your friends be like the sun as He rises in His might. Your friends that Word, that Hebrew word is translated as those who know you, Lord, those who love you, those who have a relationship with you, all of that is implied. They will not suffer the wrath and the judgment of God on that day because they know God's salvation, because they know in the New Testament as we do, fulfilled from the Old Testament, they know the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross and who rose again. And what's going to happen on that day? 
In the Old Testament, Deborah and Barak were inspired to word it this way. But your friends will be like the sun as he rises in his place, like the sun that rises up in the sky in contrast to the judgment of God's enemies. The New Testament tells us much more. It tells us that on that day that the Lord returns, those who know Him are His friends, are His people, those who love Him, those who have a relationship with Him, those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, they will rise from the grave. Those who are still alive will rise up and meet Him in the sky. They will be like the sun as it rises each day in God's might. God inspired Deborah and Barak in this victory song to anticipate what someday would come in all its fullness when the Lord comes again. More and more throughout the rest of the Scriptures is revealed about this day. They have been given a picture, a small shadow of it. But as we look back at it today, in New Testament eyes, we can see how this song is speaking to all of God's people today. And we know that that day described in this song is coming. A day of God's judgment for His enemies, a day of salvation and eternal life for His people. And in Christ Jesus, we as His people join them in the land that had rest, resting in Him for 40 years, resting in Him until He comes again. Do you identify with this song of Deborah and Barak? Do you see your life? Do you see yourself in it? Do you see those who aren't? We pray that God would enable you to see and identify with the great salvation of this song and sing it with your hearts as well. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you today for this scripture passage which puts before us the glorious victory song of Deborah and Barak, an Old Testament victory song which celebrates an Old Testament victory that you gave to your Old Testament people. But Lord, a song which points forward as we read it with New Testament eyes to another day, a future day, still ahead of us when our Savior will someday return. We rejoice, Lord, that on that day He will come and save His people and raise up all of His people to eternal life and salvation forevermore in heaven. And yet, Lord, we know the song teaches us and the New Testament teaches us that this will also be a day of judgment for He will judge His enemies with eternal wrath. Father, we pray that you would help us to identify with this song, that we would see the salvation that's been given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ as this song was fulfilled in Him, that it would make us long for that day when our Savior will return, when all His enemies will be judged and destroyed, and salvation and eternal life will come forevermore to all of His people. Father, as we look at the response to the Old Testament victory. May we see ourselves as participants. May we identify with JL that we too are participating in the work of your church, in the work of our Savior as we live each day and serve Him in this world. 
that, Lord, as we look around us and see those who oppress and mistreat your people, that, Lord, you would enable us and your church to continue to be faithfully preaching and teaching your word, that some of those, Lord, you may change their hearts and bring them unto you. But, Lord, we may also be comforted by your justice and our Savior who will someday come and make all things right and just before you. We pray all of these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.